It's the Tillcast episode 564, Wig Like Roguelites. And this week, guys, we talked Lord of the Rings, Return to Moria, God of Weapons, Sea of Survivors, Moonstone Island, and Endless Dungeon. Stay tuned. We talk a lot of games. And we're back. Woo! This is the Tillcast. It is October 28th, the uh, Halloween weekend, at about almost 3 o'clock and 46 degrees. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. There's no Rusty. It's an M-rated show. With the two of us, you're going to get some amount of time's worth of bullshit. And... uh, a lot of game this week because we did a spoiler cast last week. Yep. Which you, which will be posted before this one, but you guys haven't seen yet. Yeah. We, uh, we spent almost three hours talking about Boulder's Gate. We did. It's pretty great. <clears throat> well, like we said there, um, we're picking uh, number two through five for game of the year this year. Is there's literally nothing else that I think that could potentially beat Baldur's Gate. Um, yeah, nothing. We've all universally liked it. It's been uh, it's been so fun that Jason, you started the game again, like a week after beating it. Yep, I decided I was going to go in and roll a monk. Yeah, I'm not that crazy. I also. I have the most gamer ADD out of this group, so I immediately started playing something else. I've got Liza P on the last boss, so I just need to finish that, and then I can uninstall it. Um, I can give an update. Um, Lamplighter's League is still not 100% fixed, so I uninstalled it until they fix it, and I'll play it next year. But it's right now sitting at a disappointment. Hairbrain Schemes has been... Something I would consistently give every game I've played by them a 7 or an 8. And due to technical difficulties, this game is just like kicking me in the ass. And I'm just not not getting into it. It doesn't. It's XCOM light. It has a lot of the same mechanics as XCOM. But it's kind of got a, it's got a stealth mechanic thing that's not that great. Um, essentially, you're controlling three characters. And you're controlling them real time until you get into a battle. And that can get kind of hairy when you're trying to sneak around people and you've got your stealth characters with you. I know they don't trigger anybody when you're in stealth with somebody and they're following them. Problem is, is that you have to wait until you're pretty sure nobody else will trip the alarm, so to speak, before you reposition all those characters that are following your other one. So it's kind of janky um, with the stealth. Yeah. So it just... It's like a three out of five right now, and I want it to be better, but it's on Game Pass. I'll let it sit for a while, maybe play it later. I've got plenty of other things that have really dragged my interest a lot harder than Lamplighter's League, so it's just going to say that Liza P is a pretty hard game, and I'm just stuck. (laughs) So it's a... And sometimes on on Souls types games that are very hard, it's good to walk away for a while and then come back. Yeah, it's very easy to uh, 
just get stuck at a boss or get stuck not knowing um, exactly where you need to go to keep progressing sometimes in those type of games. So, because, I mean, a lot of times you end up having to double back to something you didn't have, expect to have double back to. Right. So I can understand that. Yeah, there's a that Ornstein and Smog fight in um, Dark Souls one that I literally walked away from for a month and then came back and got it on my second attempt. The, uh, I spent an entire day trying to figure out how to get that fight dynamic down, and it's Dark Souls one has some extremely hard moments, and I just. I got so defeated, literally, um, I just couldn't play it anymore. So I had to put it down, and then I just walked away from the game for a while. And then I finally came back. I was like, all right, let's do this. And I just did it on my second attempt. The first attempt was the warm-up. The second one was the, the kill. And I haven't run into a moment that hard in a video game in a very long time, except for Armored Core. Though Armored Core, I ultimately defeated everything. Like, there's a couple of boss fights I walked away from for a day. I got in the same mindset that I got into with, like, Bloodborne or something else that's equally as hard, or Neo, where you just set a goal of, I'm going to beat a boss this play session, and that's what you work on. Um, and that's what I did with Armored Core. All the missions are, like, 10-ish minutes long, and, and then whatever the boss fight takes you. So, that's kind of how I played that game, and that game is the hardest game I've ever played. Um, aside from Super Contra, um, which is hard for different reasons. But, yeah, uh, Liza P is not as hard as people are making it out to be. The parry is actually not that hard to do. It's considerably easier than Sekiro, which I never finished because it pissed me off since it was... Like, Sekiro is one of those games that you just parry, 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 and then you get, like, four or five good shots in, and that's the end of the fight. So it's all about waiting for that sweet spot. And then if you miss the sweet spot, then you're just pairing forever and until you get back to that point where you can get the kill shot. And it's such a patience game. Like it, it just kills me. So maybe Sekiro is harder than Armored Core 6, but for me on games that I've completed, Armored Core 6 is the hardest. Um, so nice. eventually I'll get Liza P before the end of the year. It's been a pretty damn good game. Um, I was going to get uh, Lords of the Fallen, but it's had a lot of technical issues, and so I was going to wait on it, um, bef wait for that to get ironed out. And I had so much to play this month that it was really hard to just kind of dig into something. Um, so instead of doing that, um, I ended up playing a lot of indie games. So for a while, I was pretty much completely out of pocket meaning I had to play my Steam Deck while I was traveling. Um, one of the reasons that we're behind this month is I went ahead and started, uh, or I had a job to do in Minnesota where I was doing the uh, doing some photos for a friend. I was doing wedding photos. And so because I was doing wedding photos, obviously I didn't have my console with me. I had to fly up there. I had to figure out what was going to work on Steam Deck. Um, I had to kind of pare down what I thought would be fun um, during that time that I was up there. And so while I was there, I ended up playing a whole lot of roguelikes. 
so or rogue likes and uh ended up playing a lot of a game called um what was that game called moonstone island so moonstone island is a game kind of like stardew valley but not um it's a game where you end up doing um some farming um but you're also doing a lot of like monster hunting. So it's set up like Sturdy Valley, you're a person that goes to a village that needs to make a life out of the place that you're at. But the uh the village itself um has people you talk to, has relationships that you mess with. Um but it's not I, I know part of it's about that, but a lot of it is about like collecting monsters. So you get a couple of monsters and you fight these little battles with um, other monsters. And then it plays out kind of like turn-based. Well, I guess all Pokemon is turn-based. But it plays out like a Pokemon game. You can knock the creatures out or tame them. Um, and by doing so, um, you're able to um, get those monsters while you do it. Now I know you I know Jason you have been playing Baldur's Gate what drove you back to that Uh realistically just the the flexibility I mean I know I can replay it as a different character class and while some of the uh uh you know the the main backbone of the story still stays the same, right? Right. Um, but, like, a different character class, a different race, a uh, different sex to your character, etc., is going to all play into... Uh, plus, you know, of course, different dice rolls if you're not just spamming your saves. Right. Um, uh, could really... Uh, turn out a completely different story. All right. So uh, that's kind of uh, uh, that's kind of why I decided decide <clears throat> go ahead, go back, try something different, and um, I'm probably not gonna have uh, have Game Pass back till start of the year, so I can't start Starfield or. Or anything like that right now. So. Gotcha. Well, um, is there anything else you've been playing, or has it just mostly been focusing on that new game that you've got with Baldur's Gate? Uh, I literally have four hours into the new run. Oh, okay. Um, and that's all I've been able to spare this week, so. <clears throat> Yeah, but I, I will say, I will say it's kind of fun after playing a sorcerer, um, having re reapproach, uh, some some situations, uh, uh, so far in that first initial area of the game because it's completely different tactics when you're when your primary character is a melee character. Um, and when realistically, because you don't find decent crossbows for Asterion until much later in Act One, right? 
um, uh, really only having um, one really effective spellcaster with uh, um, Gale so far, uh, and then the kind of crappy Shadowheart at the beginning. That's one thing I will say. Shadowheart's kind of being the type of cleric that she is. She, Just re-roll her as a paladin. She, she's not really a uh, she's not really a powerhouse at the <laughs> At the beginning of the game, no, um, she took me till I middle just, of Act Two to get very good. I just got um, uh, Withers unlocked. Gotcha. So um, as soon as she's, soon as I hit level three, I'm re-rolling her as a paladin. I'm not going to leave her as a cleric since I'm not a spellcaster in this run. <clears throat> that makes sense, and. I think it's good to know that you can re-roll your characters however you want. Um, yes, it is. Yes, it is. But And she can still play play a, a religious class as a paladin, too, you know? Yep. And it's really... Well, and paladins get all the same um, uh, healing spells, etc. Right? You don't necessarily need to be... Um, be a cleric, though you can. Pr I probably take levels in cleric later in the game for her after re-rolling her, but having her as a paladin initially just for the balance between healing and power. Right. Um, yeah. While I was up in Minnesota, I was uh, trying to figure out what I was going to play, and I ended up playing a lot of. Uh, the fuck was that called moonstone valley um and then i ended up playing a couple of other games that i bounced off real hard i didn't pay very much for them so i'm not out that much cash yeah. um but or moonstone island um i did start though um a game called gods of weapons or god of weapons which is a roguelike kind of like vampire survivors um that runs pretty well on steam deck um, really the way that one works out is as you get money, the money you use to buy upgrades in the game, and then you get unlocks by beating bosses, etc. And how long you survive with your character for permanent unlocks. It has a grid-based system. It has like an inventory system. So every time you pass a level, and the levels are like 30 seconds to two minutes long, um... You have to unlock spaces in your inventory and then place the weapon or item in that grid, like Resident Evil, in order to... Uh, you got to make it fit. Now, you can save things and then re-roll the items that you get with the money you earn from the fight. Um, but that's kind of how you end up uh, making your character more powerful, is you put different weapon sets in them. And every run you unlock, or you have the chance... I say chance... You get a currency after every run to unlock weapons and items and characters and things like that. And you beat certain goals to get some of those unlocks. So um, it's a pretty good one of those. It looks prettier than uh, than Vampire Survivors. It's not as chaotic. It's a lot more measured. Um, and it's different enough to be good. The one that I almost bounced off of was called Sea of Survivors. And it is a pirate ship 
Vampire Survivors. You're getting, you notice know, a pattern here. I was playing a lot of games like Vampire Survivors because it was stuff I could play in short bursts um, on my Steam Deck. Um, you literally control left and right because you're in a ship that's always going a certain speed. Um, <clears throat> you unlock your weapons and items by beating other ships and by uh, finding new islands. So a ship that you that you kill will drop a message in a bottle and it points you in the direction of the next island. And then you circle the island while avoiding all of the enemies and firing on them, right? To unlock your next item or weapon. It does this cool thing where your ship has all these little nodes on it. And as you connect nodes together, it increases the damage or the effect of whatever item that you got. And you get a new item every time you level up. So that item could be something like um, increasing the amount of projectiles that you have. Um, it could increase the firing speed. It can increase your ship speed. Um, <clears throat> it could increase your overall health, etc., or health regain. And so you connect all those together to um, make your ship more powerful. And initially, your ship sucks. The first run sucks ass. Um, I if you try the game out, it's super cheap, like three ninety nine. Um, I encourage you to use the harpoon until you permanently unlock additional projectiles because the cannons suck ass at the very beginning of the game. Um, I start every single run with the uh, harpoon because it's a weapon that auto-aims at the closest target. And then as you duplicate projectiles or you get something called bounce, it will hit more than one ship at a time, uh, which comes really it comes in handy. And then if you connect that with cannons, then your cannons fire multiple projectiles. Um, although it's in a fixed fixed direction, it hits harder, and then it bounces to other ships that are in close proximity. So the cannons can become really powerful. But starting off with cannon sucks. Um, I got to I've played that game for like fifteen hours. I'm um, gonna played it a lot while I was in Minnesota um, on my uh, picture run. So um, I had a lot of fun with it because I you know I was taking pictures of a wedding, so I was basically busy all evening of one day, but I was up there for three days. So I had all, and it was raining half the time, so I didn't really have a lot to do other than travel to other towns in the charger that I had, uh, which, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that for a second. I had a charger. I got upgraded from an economy car to a charger, and that was pretty sweet. Um, so I drove with the shitty gas mileage that was in that thing all over looking for unique foods. Um, but yeah, Team Survivors, pretty, pretty good. Um, when I got home, obviously I had thousands of photos to go through. Um, I did manage to complete a run of one of the games that I'm really was looking forward to, which is called Endless Dungeon. Uh, I've talked about it a lot on show. I got into the pre-build of that a million years ago. Um, there was just like a thing, like an entry form and I got selected and I got an email saying like, Hey, do you want to play the alpha of this and tell us what you think? And the alpha of it came with a video that said, this is under NDA. You can't share any tips or tricks or anything like this on YouTube. I barely talked about it on the podcast. And then, you know, I played it. And it was a little bit different than what I played the other day. I've talked about Dungeon of the Endless before, which is a similar game, but not the same. So Dungeon of the Endless was a little bit more strategy intense. This is a little bit more twin stick shooter. And yeah. What you do is it has a procedural map. Um, it drops you in there. Initially, you have two characters, but then you can expand your roster to three. You can play full co-op. 
you don't have you don't have ammo per se. You just have a recharge rate of your weapon, right? Like some of the automatic weapons, they never reload. But like your sniper rifle might have a half a second between shots or something, right? So you have this map. It's on a isometric view, kind of, and then it's set up kind of twin stick shooter like. And you go room to room. Every room you open gives you a set amount of one of three right. Of, of three resources. You got food, which is what you do to upgrade your character and buy certain items. You have industry, which you use to buy turrets or set turrets down or repair stuff. Um, and then you have um, science, which you use to unlock new turret types. And so what you do is you find nodes in every single room that you open. And again, it gives you a certain amount of one of the, of all three of those resources. Every time you open a room, and that's modified by if you set, you'll find a node where you can set a industry node, or I say an industry node, like a resource generating node, and you pick one of those three. Am I going to make this node a science node, an industry node, or a food node? And then every time you open a door, you have a chance of enemies spawning. And so the enemies will spawn in certain locations, and you'll see that on your map. Once you open a room, you'll see that, oh, there's enemies here. And then you have to uh, fight those hordes. Um, so you, the strategy is to set up choke points and spend your industry wisely to make sure you have enough resources to beat the game. It's pretty hard, um, but pretty enjoyable. I finished my first run after 17 hours of gameplay, which when I was going through thousands of photos really meant like in the two hours I had every day to play about a, I don't know, a little over a week. Um, that it took me to get to a point where I could beat that game. Um, I got it early access. There was a, you could spend, I have really liked uh, Amplitude Studio stuff. So I was that idiot that spent $49 on that game to get early access so I could play it early. And I don't regret it because I got in like four days, three or four days early, which helped me get to a point where I beat it a few days after it launched. Um, and I could go back to it. Like there's stuff, still plenty of stuff to unlock. But I wanted to beat it once before we podcast so that we'd have something to talk about. But if you're in a mood nice. for a roguelike that combines tower defense and twin stick shooting at the same time, that can be played co-op or actually plays quite well solo. Um, I highly recommend it. There's a lot of nuance to it. I'm just scratching the surface of what that game is. Look at a couple of videos. It's a really good game. Um. I don't know if it fits into my top five this year with how much it went out this year, but it's a solid game. Like, easy 4.5 for me. Um, for, I was waiting on Lord of the Rings Return to Moria to came out, so I was really in the mood to play a survival game. Started to play yeah. Seven Days to Die. Um, didn't have the time to play that in short segments. So I forgot night takes like 30 minutes. And so I put down Seven Days to Die. It's installed on my machine, but I don't have the time to play that right now. Um, Seven Days to Die does run quite a bit better than it used to, though. I'll say that. Or it could just be I'm just brute forcing my way to the 4090. Um, try... uh, it's been optimized quite a bit, though, too. Like, I wouldn't necessarily put it all on the 4090. Seven Days to Die is pretty CPU-heavy, too. So... Um, well, I've upgraded both since I played it. The worlds. Yeah, I've upgraded both since I played last. I had a 
it wouldn't launch at first and I was trying to figure out what was going on and I forgot that I had some kind of mod for, I forgot what it was, but it was called like Land of the Walkers or something that was really based on The Walking Dead where me and TJ were playing that a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, I loaded up Green Hell. Um, that is the most hardcore survival game I have. Um, I got through two days and then I died. And then it set me back because I didn't save correctly. I was like, this game is tedious. Um, if you're into a really hardcore survival game, Green Hell is that. It is. You're set up in like the Amazon jungle or something similar to that, right? And there are these hostile natives that kill you um, and hunt you down. And then on top of that, like you're just scavenging literally everything just to survive. Um, you've got a meter for carbohydrates and proteins and water. Um, <laughs> like it's kind of ridiculous. And then a sanity meter. Um, the sanity meter is drained by you getting damaged. And it doesn't take much to like fucking kill you. And like to heal. So like the time that I died, well, I died twice. Just when I was like, I'm going to play something else. Um, the first time I died, I died to a Jaguar, like three acres away from the starting zone. And I just figured out how to make a bandage and to apply the bandage, you have to open your inventory, drag the thing over to your arm or your leg or wherever it is and put it on there. And the problem is I didn't have any disinfectant. So even though I bandaged myself, I died from an infection. Um, it didn't take long for that to set in. Like you have to... You open your you open your character and you got four zones that you can inspect. You can inspect both your legs and both your arms. And like I was routinely pulling leeches off myself. And then you can pull and then you, you know, you look at your arm because you know that was about where I got scratched. So I look at my arm. Then I open my backpack. Then I pull out the leaf that turns it into a bandage and then bandage my arm. But because I was so like, I guess so heavily damaged, like it didn't take long for me to die. And then the second time I ran into a native on the island who saw me and him and his buddies like stabbed the shit out of me. Um, it didn't take them long at all. Um, I had a stick, a sharp pointy stick. That was all I had. And they had uh, much more than sticks and then they, they beat the ever living fuck out of me. Uh, and I died. Damn. Uh, it didn't take, it took four or five seconds. Like they all just gang bang the shit out of me. And uh, I was dead. And I was like, I don't even know how you bandage in the middle of a fight. Like, where am I just supposed? I was like, but they're only like, like a hundred yards away from my camp that I put at the very starting area to avoid this the first time when I got attacked by a jaguar. I was like, this is ridiculous. Maybe later when I have zero things to play and I'm just looking to get fucked over and over again, I'll play this game. But it's just not right now. So then I loaded up Valheim because you know it's had like five thousand updates in the last year. Yeah. And that was really satisfying. <laughs> um, it's grindy, but it's satisfying. I like the uh, the impact of everything feels good in that game. It has a weird pixely look that just works. Um, it's a pretty good looking game. Um, I have no complaints about Valheim. Valheim's good. Um, but then that leads me to... And I'm skipping over a lot that I've played because there's just so, so much. much. Yeah, I'm really just kind of going on the high points. Um, I went ahead and played uh, Return to Moria, um, which is uh, 40 bucks on Epic. 
Um, I started that the other day. Um, I've gotten some hours into that. I saw a review from PC Gamer that said it stuttered and ran like shit. Um, it also said ran uh, reviewed on a 2060 on an i5. Um, so maybe that's why it ran like shit. Um, again, I'm running it on a stupid machine. Like nothing runs like shit on my machine. So, you know, I avoid all of that. So maybe it is unoptimized if you're running it on a card that's two generations old. It was released in like 2018. That was also kind of the budget card in 2018. Yeah. You're a 1080 card that ran at 720 on with DLSS. So, uh, yeah. All right, PC gamer, get your shit together. Get the right independent reviewers. <laughs> um, there are some complaints I have about the game. But there is also some pretty cool points about the game. It's grindy, but not as grindy as Valheim. I'll say that right now. Um, it does not let you mine everywhere. Um, kind of what the game loop is, is set up a small base, use an existing base that you find, and repair it to get started. Um, look for statues as those unlock recipes. So you run across a dwarf statue, and you rebuild it for like 20 stone, and then it gives you a part of a recipe. And you use that progression loop to get yourself better gear, a better hammer, which you use to build things with the materials there, a better pickaxe, and then better weapons. And you know when your weapons are ineffective because you'll get gray damage numbers out of them when they're not effective. They're effective when the damage numbers are white, and then they are exceeding, excelling when the damage numbers are yellow. So that's the easy part. They were saying the combat is hard. The combat is laughably easy. Um, if you have a shield equipped, you literally can block all damage no matter what the creature. I ran across a troll, and my shield blocked 100% of the damage. Um, and then I would just block power attack block power attack block power attack it's easier than valheim like you can avoid all damage um the if anything the, the damage or the uh the ai needs to be reworked for the uh goblins and orcs and half orcs and all that shit they're not hard um so i would say the combat though is still the weak point because it's just it's super whack-a-mole it doesn't have good impact um, the animations are kind of janky. Um, where it does shine is I think the core gameplay loop of finding the materials to get yourself more powerful, setting up little bases to inch your way towards the exit of that area, and then finding materials in the walls of what you want is pretty cool. In Valheim, you can literally dig anywhere, um, right? Or knock down any tree to get any resource. You can't do that in Return to Moria, which is weird. Like, there's a lot of, like, pre-made walls that are impenetrable with your axe. And you'll basically see resource nodes that you can kind of dig into. So there'll be a sectional wall that's a different color stone. And you can dig into that, and you'll get stone in whatever ore is there. Um, there's an area pretty early on where there's, like, an elf. It's, like, elf-themed, even though there's a bunch of half-orcs there. And you can cut down all the most of the trees that are there so to get yourself elven wood. Um, all the food resource nodes respawn, but the trees don't. So there's a set amount of wood there. And then all along the walls, there's a whole bunch of resource nodes for coal and iron and all sorts of shit. Um, but you kind of just like dig through the area, finding the, you, you kind of set your objectives on what you need to find to progress to the next area, but it's very story driven. 
Um, you're a dwarf that's working for Gimli. Is that right? I think it's Gimli. Yeah, it's Gimli. And because uh, it's being played by what's his face um, from Starcraft or from Starcraft from Stargate. Uh, the guy who played Teal. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Judge. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's being played by him. Um, but you you basically fall into the mines and you're working your way out, right? Like that's the story. But there's a whole bunch of like great lore that even digs into stuff from the Silmarillion. Um, that's great. Your dwarves get inspired by digging. So when you're mining, it'll say like press E to sing a song and you'll start singing a song and then you have no stamina drop. Now enemies can hear you, but they sing like these pretty cool, very Tolkien inspired songs, which if you've read the books are filled full of songs, uh, which I thought was a pretty nice touch. Uh, The graphics are very like a step above Deep Rock Galactic, but about there. Um, the lighting's done pretty good, though. Uh, the lighting's actually quite dramatic. Um, and it's got some pretty deep colors to it. Um, but yeah, you're like going around finding these statues to get the gear that you need to do. And then kind of tunneling your way through different areas to find new areas in the level to kind of progress to your goal. And then you're wiping out camps of goblins or orcs or whatever in between to kill the spawn rate of the creatures that are coming after you. And then you just kind of work your way to the next area. It's a fairly satisfying loop. Um, Not a perfect game. It's far from it. Not as good as Valheim, but it's different enough to like, say they're kind of apples and oranges. It's well, depends on how much you like your apples, but you know what I mean? Like it's not as good as Valheim, but it scratches a similar itch in a different way in a Lord of the Rings setting. Um, the building's not as good as Valheim. Like, the building is just like building sections of things. Like you don't, it's not like Green Hell where you set up a frame and then go find individual pieces and carry them over. It just uses shit that's in your stockpile that's immediately by you to build this stuff. And it's built in sections and pieces. I haven't felt a, found a good way to build roofs. So I still have bats flying in my house all the time. Um, but yeah, the combat is, is pretty, is the weakest point of it. It's, it's just too easy. The AI kind of sucks, but the core gameplay loop's pretty good. And I'd imagine I've looked at other people playing it with friends and the uh, doors will come in on harmonies on your songs while you're singing and mining, which is pretty great. Um, It just ups the spawn rates of enemies when you're playing with friends and there's plenty of resources. Like I'm playing solo. I'm in a space where I'm never out of resources because it's set for like up to eight people. So... I get a shitload of resource spawn and I never dig through all of it before I progress the next area. But so far, um, I don't know, about a four out of five. I really like Lord of the Rings stuff. So I'm a little bit biased. Um, it is not the 58, the PC gamer gave it. (laughs) It is not the six out of seven that IGN gave it after playing it for what seems like two hours. Cause the area they're talking about in their preview review was literally the area you get to in 30 minutes. So, or maybe your first hour. Oh, wow. It's a game that's got a lot of chunk to it. So I think it would take you about 40-ish plus hours to probably play through the whole thing. Because after looking at like what chapters or levels there are, just looking through a list, it's like I'm on level one, two, three, four. 
on level five, I got through a place called Orktown, and I'm now in the depths. And I think there's like another six levels, and I'm in a really big area right now. So we shall see. I'm going to keep plinking away at it. It's pretty, pretty fun. I like it. It's a little bit grindy, but all these kind of survival crafting games are. And it's not very hard, yeah. honestly. It's kind of chill for me. So the music's really good. Um, nice. but yeah, it again, like maybe if you're on a low tier card, it sucks ass. Like maybe that is the case. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I kind of doubt it, but who knows? I mean, there's been plenty of games this year that have suffered from not having proper optimization. So, right. Who knows? Brings me to the last one that I tried right before starting up the podcast. I fired up, uh, so I'd read again, I shouldn't, I should place different tr levels of trust in game journals because some of them were saying it takes about 12 to 14 hours to beat Alan Wake. And after diving through a lot of reddits, right, most people are saying it's 20 to 30 hours. I was like, okay, well, that's a respectable level of game for 50 bucks. Um, and that's about the same length of control. I think control, if you like super 100%, it takes about 45. I didn't quite 100% because I didn't do a lot of the time trials. I got about 40-ish hours out of it. Yeah. With it being pretty close to the same length, I was like, 50 bucks isn't a bad price. And I was worried about how scary it was, so I started talking to Trent because I'm a, I'm, a I'm a horror wuss. He's like, no, it's mostly jump scares, and it's just weird. He's like, it's just weird like the first one. He's like, yeah, there's some stuff that's pretty weird and creepy in it, but he's like, I think you'll be fine. So I fired up the intro. The intro immediately starts you off in something fucking weird, and the jump scares didn't really get to me, so I'm like, I'm going to play this more. Um, again, playing it on my beast of a machine um i'm playing it at 4k i am running frame generation and dlss quality um, and i'm getting i think 76 fps was my average i just got through the intro just started investigating a scene of a crime to get started um ran into a couple of weird like transitioning between a cutscene and the gameplay there was like a little frame hitch or something which I think is part of frame generation, to be honest with you. Like, it always ended that with The Witcher as well. And Cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, so, but other than that, like, it's running buttery smooth. And I've heard if you optimize your settings and don't run ray tracing on stupid, um, it also can look pretty good on a lower range card, like in the 20 series. So, I don't know. I guess I'm playing Alan Wake now. Um, it does look exceptionally good. I'm going to say that. Like, it looks... It looks really good. And the intro was really fucking weird. But to me, more weird in an X-Files kind of way than, I don't know. I've heard it's kind of survival horror-y. Like, whatever. Um, I do like I the mean, story. That's of, kind of what it's supposed to be, so. Yeah, I like the, I like the Remedy stories a lot, so I kind of got into it pretty quickly. Oh, Remedy's stories are great. That whole connected universe. The story lore is a whole lot deeper than I think, than some people 
than you would initially think it is just playing Alan Wake. Um, well, but then like once you get to uh, American Nightmare, etc., you realize it's pretty fucking deep. Yeah, I had some initial horror hangups with Control when I was playing that, and then once I got past my hangups, like I really enjoyed that game. Like I enjoyed it at a level that I enjoyed Half Life on. Um, Control's an excellent game. Like, not to say that Alan Wake One isn't great. I actually like Control better than Alan Wake One. Um, mostly because he doesn't control like a guy with shin splints, uh, or what's her face doesn't. Like she controls, <laughs> she controls. She does uh, her the uh, movement on the character, the main character is a lot better in Control than Alan Wake. Agreed. <clears throat> and I I like all the SCP tie-ins with uh, Control quite a bit. Like, there's definitely some weird-ass shit in that game. But once I got past my hang-ups, like, that game is so good. Because, um, again, it's just very, like, weird X-Files kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know if I'll have... I've still got... I thought I was done photo editing today, and I've got to do some color balance stuff, too. About 400 photos. But... I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that today. I will. Uh, no, spend, sounds spend like you just need the game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, Halloween weekend. So I got to find something to do tonight. So I don't know. Do you? <clears throat> well, I'll talk about that offline. But yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but in a nutshell, I just gave you like quick snippets of some things to check out inside of about around an hour um, just to get started here. So I think we ought to take a break, don't you think? Yep, sounds good. All right, we'll be back. Had a little bit of a break. Um, trying to find some stories. There are some. There wasn't. A, there was an Xbox event, but there wasn't a lot new. And some of what was new is part of what we're covering. It's a really weird way of saying that, but that's the truth. Um, you've pretty much seen all the things that were happening. I know. In general, some things I found out is the. Um, Redfall is still planning on trying to relaunch that game, essentially. But um, Xbox Studios is talking about putting ZeniMax and their subsidiaries, so everybody that's owned by Bethesda or with Bethesda, right? So you've got... Um, why am I blanking out? All the companies that are with that, right? The people that made Dishonored, the people that made Redfall, the people that have made uh, you know, all the fallouts and all that shit. And uh, the people that made Doom, and I can't remember the name for the life of me right now, um, all under management of uh, Xbox Studios. So I'm not sure the reason so why. That'd be, that'd be Cinemax and all of its subsidiaries, which include Blizzard. Um, Cinemax doesn't own Blizzard. Blizzard's part of Activision. Or not Blizzard. Uh, sorry, Bethesda. 
Um, and uh, who made Rage and who made Doom? Why am I blanking on that? Shit. Um, I'm blanking on it hard too. Yeah. Anyways, you uh, know. Anyway, that it, studio. All it. All Zenimax subsidiaries. We'll just say that. Yeah. Um, so they're going to collaborate now. Um, I guess we'll see what that what happens with that. Um, maybe that means they'll get a little bit better uh, Q Q and A because <laughs> they still lack in that department. Um, maybe that'll also mean dialing back some of the ambition. I mean, let's face it, some of the um. Like Starfield, Starfield is good. Fallout Four was good, but had its problems on release, right? Um, <clears throat> Redfall was a mess. Redfall is a super mess. There's, it's um, in the single digits right now on concurrent players. Yeah, um, it was a disaster. And, <laughs> uh, and Fallout seventy six was a mess. Yeah. Yeah, it took almost two years for them to get Fallout 76 to be a decent game. Like, when it started, it was like a, on our rating scale, like a three out of five. And then it became about a four out of five. It's still super grindy. It's got its fun moments. It runs decent, finally. Um, Most of the bugs are gone. Um, They've got a lot of content. But it's still pretty grindy game. It's kind of hard to play solo. Like it's one of those games that you want to play with people, and it still kind of follows a lot of MMO tropes or massive MOBA tropes of like events and things like that. It still doesn't quite play out like a Fallout game. It's just kind of like a Fallout skin on a game. Um, it's decent. I've played a lot of it, but I'm pretty done with it. I don't. I don't know that I'm reinstalling it anytime soon. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that are a mess. Um, Ark Survival Ascended debuted, I want to say Thursday. Um, and, uh, even people with 4090s are saying it plays, uh, in single digit FPS if you run it on anything other than like mid or low settings. Um, it is sitting at a very mixed review right now on Steam. And what it is, is it is a remake and re-engineering of the original Ark game. It was the, it was the holdoff between... Arc 1 and 2, they said they were going to completely redo the game, and it's kind of broke a lot of stuff. Um, it's still the same game. It's still the same grindy mess. It is not a solo game, really. It's something you need to play with other people. Um, it is a no-life game. Um, me and Rusty have tried to play it co-op a lot. I've had some fun with it, but ultimately, without tweaking server settings a lot to make it enjoyable as a two-person experience, it's pretty difficult. Um, not really looking into it. A lot of people are saying like, this is definitely not worth 40 bucks. This should have been something that was, that came with the base game. I don't totally dis- disagree with that. And also don't totally agree with that because if they had to redo all of that stuff, then they, I understand why they charged again. I mean, the original game came out in 2015, right? Like eight years later, they redid the engine and everything else, but they probably should have waited to release it until they worked out more of the kinks because right now it's a it's in shitty shape and a lot of OG art players are not happy with it. Um, something that came up that 
me and Rusty were pretty fond of. So Second Extinction was a game that was on Game Pass and Early Access. It had like three maps. It was like a, a survival extraction shooter where you had objectives and you went and did the objectives and then you got to the extraction point and left. Um, where you could grind for XP and unlocks and things like that. It was pretty fun. It just lacked content. Um, it never made it out of early access, though. Um, it got pulled from sale from Steam. So they just canned it. So it's never coming out. We played what we got out of it. They were saying the player count wasn't high enough. I don't think you could put more than about 30 hours into it, so I don't understand what they're talking about. Like, it was just it was too repetitive with the little bit of content they had. Um, what was there was fun. It's just it was about thirty hours of fun, and it just got so repetitive. You're like, okay, I'm I'm done. There's nothing more to play here. I'm just getting unlocks in the same three maps. So, to me, like I wouldn't have. Con- I was literally waiting for them to put it out in 1.0 so that I could play it again. And now we'll never get that. Um, dang. <coughs> YouTube is really oh. pissing me off. I'm going to talk about this for just a second. Oh, the you mean the anti-ad blocking? Yeah. So my main account is banned on one PC from YouTube, so I have to use uh, Microsoft Edge. And, you know, it, it comes up with a sentence that says, oh, you're using an ad blocker. Turn off your ad blocker and refresh. So I did that. I was like, actually, I'll, I'll allow your ad so that I can watch your content. And then... It pops up every time, even though the ad blocker is turned off and it has YouTube allowed for, you know, all ads for that using uh, Adblock Plus and uh, continues, it continues to block me. And now I can't even refresh or watch videos. And now it just loads up the search bar um, if I load it up on my personal Google account. Um, Just doesn't load anything now. Um, so, like, I'm blocked on that. I sent them a long message. It said, because it says, if you're having problems or you have it unblocked, send us a message. So, it screenshots, but doesn't screenshot your toolbar where it shows that ad block's turned off. And I can't send them a screenshot that shows the settings that says that it's often allowed and whitelisted. So, I said, fuck you. I, like, literally sent a message. I was really mad the other night. Sent a message that said, your fucking piece of shit doesn't work. It's not detecting that it's turned off. I have it allowed, allowing ads just so I can watch your goddamn service. But since you're not doing that, you're not going to get any of my tracking data. So I'm going to just use Edge signed into no account with no user data so that you can just you can look at the user history of somebody to certain IP. It's like, that's all you're getting now. So thank you for your bullshit service. I'm going to go do that. And never got a response back. I was pretty pissed. You know, it just went to some robot file somewhere. Um. Yeah, it just, if you have any ad, I'm not going to uninstall my ad blocker on Chrome, like by any measure. Yeah. Um, I was going to whitelist it and deal with the fucking ads that happen sometimes every three minutes in a YouTube video. Um, And now I just do that and skip all ads in, you know, a, a browser I hate using, freaking Microsoft Edge. It's literally the only thing I'm using it for. I'll copy and paste the YouTube link of what I want to go to and then throw it in Edge and then watch it there. But it's it's a pain in the ass. I'm just mad at it. Jeez, sounds like it. I yeah, it's ridiculous. They're they're going a little too far, but at the same time, um, you know, that's their I 
as frustrating as it is for us, I somewhat understand it because, you know, that is their primary uh, revenue generation, right? So, um, you know, they're going to try it. Somebody's going to figure out a way around it sooner or later. Their ads are really aggressive, though. Yeah, they are. If I'm watching a three-minute video, I don't want to be interrupted twice for an ad. An ad at the beginning, an ad at the end, and an ad in the middle. Like, it's, It gets ridiculous. Pay them 10 bucks a month for, for YouTube Premium. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck that. They're gaining information based on your viewing habits already. That they are. They're selling that metadata. It's not like they weren't making any money. That they are. I mean, <clears throat> that's how they... That's how they make the money. Just saying. What did you have? Uh, so, a couple different things. Um, first things first. It's... Uh, uh, been been released in uh, Ubisoft's uh, report for the first half of its fiscal year um, that a uh, a large game uh, that was planned to release before the end of the fiscal year has been pushed uh, to the next fiscal year, which put puts it twenty twenty four twenty twenty five. Was that the Star Wars um, game? Yep, there's been speculation that that it is Star Wars Outlaws, which is the uh, newer open world um, game that Ubisoft is is developing for the IP, um, and that one's much more focused on, you know, smuggling the huts, the darker sides of Star Wars universe. Um, now, um, that said, there's no confirmation from Ubisoft that this is the large game they were referring to. Um, but considering that is the, uh, other than Assassin's Creed is the largest game to date right now that's been unveiled. Uh, everybody is assuming that, it, that that is it. Um, I've seen reports that that was delayed, so I think that that's probably it. The uh, <clears throat> Assassin's Creed Mirage has kind of come out to mid-reviews as the game is considerably shorter than everything else that's out there, Assassin's Creed. Like, it, they rubber-banded hard the other direction, so instead of 150 hours, it's like sub-30 hours now and extremely linear, and a lot of people are like, well... I wasn't asking for that. I was asking for a happy medium. And in my head, that'd be like 40 or 50 hours, right? Um, I think on on console, that's like a $70 game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was originally meant as a DLC, um, but then ended up being a full game. So I might pick it up on sale, but like I've got other things I want to play. And I'm not the fan of Assassin's Creed that I used to be. So, you know, their loss, I guess. That there are. That there are. Um, and then I had one other in 
article that I think is just more of an interest, interesting point. Um, you know, showing showing off technology and all its current grandeur. Um, uh, so there was an article from uh, VG247 um, where they took a Steam Deck um, and using uh, GeForce Now uh, at its ultimate level, which gives you uh, 4K ray trace gaming, um, along with the Game Pass titles huh. that are not now a part of GeForce's library. Um, <clears throat> and using that cloud cloud gaming service to uh to stream those to stream those games directly on the stream on the Steam Deck. Um you know, Game Pass Game Pass's own X Cloud service is uh is fairly fairly good on its own, especially if you have a decent internet connection. Um but when it comes to uh uh, pure bandwidth and quality. Uh, GeForce Now is just a much beefier service. Yeah, I mean, I play uh, cloud service um, Game Pass on my Steam Deck sometimes, and it works pretty well. Yeah. <clears throat> so apparently, combining that with uh, uh, with GeForce with GeForce Now is just a freaking powerhouse on the Steam Deck. Um, they said they were consistently gaming at 4K on the Steam Deck, which realistically you don't need to do because, you know, the screen's small enough, you're not really going to be able to tell whether you're gaming at 1080p or you're gaming at 4K. Right. Um, uh, but they said <clears throat> this, the gameplay was definite was definitely a little smoother. Um, but man, just the fact that we've reached the point where you can stream a game at 4K to a handheld, in 4K to a handheld device is pretty freaking magical. Yeah, I, th I agree. Uh, now that said, uh, you know, if you were wanting to uh, repeat this yourself and uh, and do this, uh, you know, GeForce, the top tier of GeForce <clears throat> now uh, costs you a hundred bucks for six months, uh, and then you still have to pay for like PC Game Pass on top of that, right? Right. Um. I've heard that GeForce Now works really good. GeForce Now does work really good. It's a weird service. Yeah. Like, you have to... It figures out what games you have in your libraries, and then if they're available on GeForce Now, if you've got the license for it, right? So, like, if you bought on Steam or Epic or X or on uh, Microsoft, then it just, like, streams that game from their servers. Yep. Um, it's just weird. 
though. And they said it reportedly also works really well on the ROG Ally. Um, they've not um, test, tested it on the Logitech G Cloud, which is the newest like lightweight handheld that's basically built <coughs> just to stream games. You're not going to install them locally and really play at a high quality on that particular device. Right. Um, uh, mostly because it's a Android based, but uh, but yeah, man, what a crazy world that we can actually stream our games in high quality now. Just nuts. It is pretty neat. And Steam Deck is quite the machine. I mean, yeah, I've I know there's a couple of devices that are better, but it's just so reliable. Um. A lot of things are tuned for a Steam Deck that are releases, like major releases. There's like preset settings that are staved into Steam that just auto load as soon as you load it on your Steam Deck. And it's just like, oh, you're on a Steam Deck. We've detected your hardware. And now these are the best settings for that. And you don't even have to dick with it. <clears throat> and then it just works. Like once it's verified, that's like the settings get uploaded by a user or by somebody at Valve or somebody at the company. I don't know. But you literally just load up games and it just presets all the settings to work best with Steam Deck. Um, it's pretty amazing, honestly. Um, it is a fantastic little device. Nice. Well, I don't really have anything right. else. Do you? I do not. Well, where can you find us? Find us at tiltcast.com. Find us on Facebook or and twitter.com slash tiltcast. Our YouTube channels, youtube.com slash realtiltcast, and search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. Find some friends of the show. You've got <clears throat> For the Love of Gaming. You've got bmfcast.com. And you have uh, tvgp.tv. They also like Baldur's Gate. And with that, it's the end of the show. All right. Peace.